Welcome to the Ashley and Jessicast. I started this podcast because of my love for Jessica and Ashley Simpson, but due to the support of my amazing listeners, I have been able to expand to other topics as well to feed my pop culture obsession and yours. Join me as we time travel through some of the most interesting figures in music, movies, TV, and beyond. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is part 7 of my series on the one, the only, Lindsay Lohan. And today, we are going to be talking about... The back half of 2005, during which Lindsay released her second and until now final album, a little more personal, Raw, and all of 2006, Girl. I I am so exhausted just from researching this year of Lindsay's life. I need a nap, a Xanax, a break, weed, a massage, facial. Like I'm, I cannot believe she's alive. I mean, and I'm so happy that she is obviously, thank God. But like, guys, I I really feel like 2006 was the turning point because for the first half of the year and honestly a little bit of the second, but I think for the first half of the year, Lindsay was still seen as a major Hollywood player. Like, yes, people were already starting to call her names and talk about her in a negative light and talk about how the partying and the drinking and all of that kind of stuff was overshadowing her fame. I mean, people were talking about that ever since like 2004. But she still released three movies, Just My Luck, A Prairie Home Companion, and Bobby, as well as filmed three movies, Chapter 27, Georgia Rule, and I Know Who Killed Me. Yeah, she might have been falling out of a club with Nicole Richie on Friday, but Monday she was on a red carpet with Anthony Hopkins and Sharon Stone and Harry Belafonte. She might have been calling Paris the C word, (laughs) but the next day she was on set with Jane Fonda. You know what I mean? She still had major Hollywood cred. She was still seen as this really talented young actress who was just partying and stuff because, hey, she's young and maybe she is taking it a little too far, but like she has the talent and she'll be fine. And I think that the three films that came out during this year, they're very different from each other. And I think that they were all really good moves for Lindsay's career. None of them did particularly well. So I think that that contributed a little bit to the negative opinion of her because she wasn't turning out Freaky Friday and Parent Trap and Mean Girls level anymore but I think without the partying she would have been fine I think she eventually would have made better movies but this is really the last time that she's living the Hollywood actress dream life it's sad it really is like it's hard to go through this and see that unraveling and of course it's easy for me to look back now and say oh you know why didn't she do this or why didn't she do that but nobody will ever know what it was like to be in her shoes it's just so nice to be able to do this now where we know that she's okay and she's coming back and everything's great I know I've said that before but it it would be way too dark to do this a few years ago when we still were kind of unsure what was going on with Lindsay so I'm very, very pleased that she's in a better place now. So thank God for that. But this this year was a lot. I mean, this was the year of Bimbo Summit. 
you guys bimbo summit if you don't know what that is oh buckle up stay tuned this was the year that she got the letter the public letter from the studio head chastising her for being late and all of that I think that was the real turning point honestly and we're gonna talk about it all there's so much (laughs) so first we have to start at the end of 2005 because you know your girl doesn't miss a beat so we're going to start with this album the end of summer Lindsay starts talking about how her second album is going to be coming out soon and Tommy Mottola the head of Lindsay's label at the time Casablanca Records he suggested that she should direct the video for the first single off of her album which is called Confessions of a Broken Heart Daughter to Father she was really honored that he had said this to her and he was like you should do it because you this is really personal to you you know what this is actually like like who's going to do it better than you and even though Tommy Mottola is pure trash I do think that was a good idea on his part and I do think that it was a nice thing that he let this 19 year old girl kind of take the reins of this music video I was sitting at Da Silvano in New York and I was I was eating um lunch I was sitting with um Tommy Mottola and I was interested in maybe directing my video and Tommy was like well you should direct it and I was like yeah that'll happen and then he said no seriously you should direct your video he's like you have you you know it's it's your life you can do it you you know we go over the storyboard you you have all the ideas you have all the shots that you wanted you've told me about what you know what kind of look you want for the video and the feel that you want for it and you have everything there so just go with it and why, why don't you do it and I was like okay I'll direct it cut And he gave a statement saying that Lindsay has complete knowledge of the medium and an even greater understanding of the material, which is true. He wouldn't disclose the concept for the video, but he said that her visual ideas are absolutely incredible and finished with, Lindsay is one of the most talented, creative, and intuitive people I've ever met. So on September 20th, 2005, Lindsay won Premier Magazine's Women in Hollywood Spotlight Award, which was presented to her by her Mean Girls co-star, Tim Meadows. Does anybody remember Premier Magazine? I was obsessed. That was such a good magazine. I miss movie magazines. I miss magazines. Ten days later, Lindsay's single, Confessions of a Broken Heart, was previewed on AOL Music First Listen. That's another, do you remember AOL Music First Listen? Oh my god. That was a big deal back in the day. The song is just basically about um, someone's love for someone else. It's a cry out, I think, for attention from someone that, from for anyone who cares for a per- person a certain way in their life, I think. It takes a lot to just kind of let it all out. This song for me is letting my father know that I do love him and I do care about him and um, showing appreciation for my family. This was really the only way I could do it and talk to him because I don't really speak to him at all. So this was a release for me and it was really therapeutic for me. She was spotted in New York City filming the music video and she had on this very elaborate gown so it was hard to miss her I mean the candidates were all over the internet and everybody was saying like what is this because you could also see that part of the video was filmed with extras standing on the street looking into a window and Lindsay and her sister inside the window crying and screaming and all this stuff so between the AOL music first listen and the pictures that we had seen everybody was talking about this because it was such a huge departure from her previous singles I mean if you think about 
rumors, which is about partying in the club and everybody talking about her and taking pictures of her and spreading rumors about her. I mean, it's just such a different vibe. And the sad thing about this album is that it really just came and went. Like it wasn't a big part of pop culture. It wasn't that big of a moment in Lindsay's career, but it it really should have been because I think that it showed growth that she was going from this album that was definitely more rooted in teenage issues with dating and being famous and then this album was like no I'm gonna get a little more personal I'm gonna really talk about some serious things that I went through and I think Lindsay also kind of felt like well everybody knows my business anyway everybody knows that my parents are in the process of a divorce everyone knows my father is in jail everybody knows how hard my childhood was so why don't I just be real with everybody the cat's been out of the bag (laughs) you know it's like this is my real life and I kind of admire her for putting it all out there she said that she wrote the song when she was on a European tour to promote Herbie Fully Loaded and she just had a total nervous breakdown while she was in her hotel room writing Confessions of a Broken Heart she ran into the hotel room next door where her publicist was staying, Leslie Sloan Zelnick, and Leslie tried to stop her from calling the Nassau County Jail, where her father was residing at the time. It was no use, though, because Lindsay was like, this is my life. I have to talk to my father. And apparently the prison guard would not put her on the phone with him. And she kept saying, I'm Lindsay Lohan. I'm Michael Lohan's daughter. Please put me on the phone with him. Like, she just couldn't take it anymore. And she had to talk to him after not speaking for so long. And she couldn't get a hold of him because it was after hours. But she did get her little brother on the phone who's also named Michael and she was just like I'm coming home I'm quitting this press tour I need to get home I don't care if I never work again I need to be with my family and Lindsay was technically breaking her contractual agreements by doing this she says that she regrets it because it was irresponsible but I think that she was working based on emotions obviously and not logic she went home to be with her family and she recorded the song at her mother's house surrounded by her siblings and she only did the vocals once or twice because she wanted it to seem raw like right in the title of her album a little more personal raw she wanted it to have that authentic feeling and she wanted you to be able to hear the emotion in her voice without having all of this editing on the track which I do think also is admirable like she really was moving into a different space here and trying something new and I think it's a shame that it just kind of came and went the way that it did around this time Lindsay was splitting her time between New York and LA she was staying at her family's house on Long Island while also living in the Chateau Marmont in Hollywood while her apartment on Sunset Boulevard was renovated. And if you don't know about the Chateau Marmont, Google it. It is a classic Hollywood haunt where many, many, many things have gone down that we know about. And I'm sure so many other things have gone down that we don't know about. In October, Lindsay is involved in another car crash. This is not even the only car crash that she will be in over the next year. She also was hospitalized multiple times in 2005 and 2006 and she defended this by basically saying oh I'm so accident prone and oh the paparazzi chased me but I think it was part of the substance abuse right I mean obviously we would see factual evidence of that later on but it really was it's like oh I wonder why she's always falling 
and hurting herself or <laughs> crashing her car, you know? I'm not saying she was drunk every single time, but like, you know, she ended up in the hospital a lot more than some other people. That's all I'm going to say. A paparazzo who was on the scene of the car crash said, Lindsay's demeanor has changed dramatically over the last few months. Lindsay used to love the camera and the attention. She was more than willing to pose for a while for the cameras, but as you would imagine, she was not happy at all last night. Lindsay stormed into Koi and did not even crack a smile or acknowledge our presence. Lindsay said of the accident, it just got a little out of hand. I handled it very well and I was very calm about it and people were actually kind of surprised. I'm thankful that my brother and sister were not in the car. Her publicist said, this is another example of the paparazzi endangering citizens, both Ms. Lohan and the other driver in the collision. However, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy said that the paparazzi was not a factor and did not cause the accident, but Lindsay still would not be charged because the other driver was making an illegal U-turn and that caused the crash. So this one wasn't Lindsay's fault, but it still just seemed like trouble followed her. Now, Lindsay was on making the video on October 24th, about a week after her single was released. On this episode of Making the Video, this time Lindsay's in charge. And it's pretty personal. It's about my father, so I decided to write the video and I'm directing it and I wrote the songs. This is a big task for me. As she drives home an emotional video. A lot of the stuff in the video actually has happened in my life. As offensive as it may be, it's real. I think it's okay to show that to people. While proving she's only human. If you turn that up, we can hear it. Plus the world premiere of Lindsay Lohan's confessions of a broken heart. This was just so exciting because obviously making the video is one of MTV's best shows of all time. My pitch to MTV and VH1 is that they need to join forces and do a streaming service with all of their content over the years. I literally would never leave the house. This was one of those absolute greats where you really got to know an artist's process and you just really got to understand the meaning behind their music and their videos and the imagery and you got to see all the elements coming together including being in the editing room and all of that. It was just the perfect the perfect show. So in the music video, you see two actors playing a couple that are fighting. And then you see Lindsay in the bathroom in her beautiful gown, crying, splashing the water in the tub, screaming, singing, the whole deal. And then you also see her little sister, Aliana, who Lindsay said wasn't playing Lindsay. She was just playing like a young girl who's in this domestic abuse situation. Some of the scenes are just normal scenes. And then some of the shooting took place in a display window at a store. And they had a bunch of extras come and stand in front of the window and watch the scenes play out as part of the music video to show that Lindsay's life really does exist in a fishbowl. And it is kind of poignant and meaningful because it's true. Like we already knew everything that we see in the video, the parents fighting and things breaking and this childhood trauma happening, we already knew it. So it was actually very meaningful to have that fishbowl scene. And I actually think that's kind of the best part of the video. The concept um, of this video, Confessions of a Broken Heart, is two younger children put in a situation where their parents are fighting and things that go on at home and it's something that really happens and my life is on display for the public and um, it's, a, it's a window store set up um, and it's kind of like I'm living in a bubble 
um, in this small contained space and trying to break out and show people how I feel within this and everyone's kind of standing there watching me but I'm still living this world on my own inside and that's what I'm dealing with internally. Toward the end all of these personal family photos that are from Lindsay's real life get pushed onto the glass kind of saying like hey this is a real family these are real people that you're gawking at and laughing at and staring at and having all these opinions on you know kind of showing people like this is what you're consuming like this is real lindsay stated that the video is dedicated to her mother and grandmother and my favorite moment of this episode is when lindsay and her sister Allie are watching the two actors perform the fight scene and it's just getting really intense and you can kind of see Lindsay comforting her little sister and it's just kind of painful to see because you know that that happened to them in real life and that it's again it's real. Vanity Fair covered the video shoot and they wrote on the first day of shooting the video in Manhattan one sees a kind of snapshot of Lohan's entire life outside the studio on the loud and dirty West 26th Street tittering young girls with pen and paper and fancy little dogs wait alongside embittered impatient paparazzi including Sam the skulker who's covered in muffin crumbs muttering that this is effing bullshit. Inside, Leslie Sloan Zelnick is telling you about some untrustworthy snake in the business who wants a piece of Lindsay. 43-year-old Dina, a skinny, bottle-blonde former Rockette wearing heavy dark foundation, is having a guarded chat with Doug Lyman, a prospective director for Lindsay. Her demeanor is tightly wound and hard-edged, in complete contrast to her daughter's. The set is a replica of Lindsay's middle-class house in Merrick, Long Island. Lindsay's bedroom is pink with pictures of puppies on the walls. The Lohan parents, played by actors, shriek at each other. Dad clocks mom in the face. Meanwhile, the younger daughter, played by Lindsay's real-life younger sister, Allie, blocks her ears and coils up in terror. Lindsay, playing herself in a bejeweled Monique Lulier gown, crashes about the bathroom singing and sobbing into the camera. Daughter to father, daughter to father, I am crying, a part of me is dying, tell me the truth, did you ever love me? Subtle it's not, but it's hard not to get a bit choked up, and it's a lot more intense than any song of, say, Hilary Duff's. That's true. I think it's interesting their rivalry like because even though Hilary Duff has undoubtedly done a lot better than Lindsay when it comes to music, a lot of Hilary Duff's music is not like that personal. Like a lot of it's just fun music, which is completely fine. But I think we all really appreciated when Hillary made Dignity and there was like a little bit of meat on the bones of that album. You know what I mean? It's therapy, Lohan says later, wrapped in a bathrobe taking a cigarette break in her trailer. It's like the best acting that I've ever been able to do is in this video. I freak out and just kind of go with it and create my own scene. It's offensive and I want it to be. I'm saying a dad is what I needed. I was seeking your comfort and I didn't have it. After marrying in their early 20s, Dina and Michael separated when Lindsay was just three. My parents were in court and I got kidnapped out of the courtroom by my father, claims Lindsay. But like many young people in love, Dina took her husband back. It got to the point where my father would not come home for a few days. He would come home three days later and be very angry, and we'd be walking on eggshells, and it was a very tense, scary household. Usually he was blowing his money away and doing drugs, which she first discovered when she happened upon them in a pack of his cigarettes. In addition to disappearing on drug binges, he was having run-ins with the law. I remember I was coming home from an audition and that was when it was bad. My father was away. The first time, he was sent to prison for criminal contempt in a securities case. He has since amassed several other convictions for assault, violations of a protection order, driving under the influence. He's been in and out of jail my whole life. 
My whole life, Lindsay says. Even before she became hugely famous, she changed schools because her family life had become too exposed and it was simply too mortifying. Eventually, her parents separated again and Michael was not allowed near the children. Lindsay said that the bathroom scene is supposed to represent her locking herself in the bathroom to get away from her parents fighting where she used to write lyrics and study her lines for her auditions. There's a mirror in this bathroom of course and Lindsay wanted to break it for the scene and the assistant director is like, Lindsay, you know, this is real glass. We were not prepared for you to break this. It's very dangerous. And she's like, well, I want to break it. And ultimately, they decide to just crack the mirror. The assistant director says, well, do you want to do it in slow motion? Regular frame will make it more violent. And Lindsay says, I don't want it to be too pretty. So she really wanted this to be like a gritty video. She said, I actually did cry at the end of the song. It was very emotional. Cara Diaguardi kept saying, do it once more. And I was like, I can't do it. And then I broke down and ran into the bathroom and closed the door. A lot of the stuff in this video has happened in my real life. As glamorous as it is, it's not always. Dina is on set as well and says, this was their decision. Lindsay wanted to do this and Allie wanted to be in it. I'm just hoping this helps her vent like therapy. She didn't bring it on, her dad did. This is her story and how am I going to stop that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to. And Allie, this is in her blood. This is what she aspires to do. But you know how she wants to be paid for this? A puppy. She wants a puppy. This is very unreal to me. <laughs> Dina is always funny. Whether she means to be or not, she is always funny. So after the music video came out, Michael Lohan commented on it and said, while I always considered and expressed how truly blessed Lindsay as well as my other children are, I never realized how blessed I am to have a daughter as amazing as Lindsay. Hold on to my shirt, honey. Soon enough, you'll be able to hold on to me. Which actually was a nice thing to say. I mean, normally his responses to <laughs> Lindsay painting a not so pretty picture of him in the public are not as nice. So at least he had kind of a positive reaction to this. She was on ABC with Robin Roberts talking about the album and the entire situation. You have had just um, you're, you're abundantly blessed. So talented, admired <laughs> by so many. And it's also been been a tough time, a tough year, uh, all that you've gone through, the paparazzi chasing you and having a couple of <laughs> car accidents out there in LA, and uh, your dad's in jail, your parents divorcing, things like that. What, what, yeah, what's been the high and low for you for this, for this um, year? I think just the part that, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of um, maintain your privacy. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, you come into this position and you expect those things and your, your life's going to be out there in the public eye. And I, I respect everyone's choice to kind of know what's going on. But I felt like if I can take a chance to say it through my music and say right. how I feel and my point of view on it, then I might as well. Yeah, this is what's so neat. You're, you're taking charge. You're, you're like, you know, so many people write and say different things about you. And it seems Everyone like is entitled to their own opinion, but there's so many opinions at this point that... I feel like I might as well put mine out there while I can. Her father, Michael, made another statement from prison when asked, how do you feel about Lindsay's portrayal of you in the media, her songs about you, for example? Michael said, I think that they were touching, they were painful and heartwarming and very personal. They really made me stop and think a lot about everything in our life and even about myself. No matter what other people think, how they want to interpret or view it, it made me feel loved. Very interesting perspective, right? Like, because she's calling him out on mistreating her and her family, yet it makes him feel loved. A lot to unpack there. I'm just gonna 
jump to the next news article here, which is the announcement of Lindsay signing on for the movie Bobby, a partially fictionalized account of Robert F. Kennedy's 1968 assassination that focuses on the interconnected lives of characters working and staying at the Los Angeles Ambassador Hotel in the hours leading up to the murder. Lohan joins an ensemble cast that includes Anthony Hopkins, Sharon Stone, Demi Moore, Nick Cannon, and Elijah Wood. The film's producer, Edward Bass, told The Hollywood Reporter, Lindsay, who you do not think of as an indie film actress, is an inspired choice and the heart of the movie. I'll talk more about that film when we get to its release. I absolutely love it, so I'm excited to talk about that. A few weeks later, it's officially announced that Lindsay will be in the film Chapter 27, starring alongside Jared Leto and this is an independent film about the 1980 murder of John Lennon so kind of interesting right that she signs on back to back to do these two movies that are about these iconic people from the 60s getting murdered I mean it's totally different direction obviously than Freaky Friday and things like that and you see the same shift in her music right to this very serious place so in mid-october right before the single comes out she dyes her hair a dark brown and says she's loving life as a brunette i feel a bit classier with this hair says the natural redhead it's a nice change i like to try new things as much as she likes to switch up her hair color she's just as experimental with her clothes it depends on how i'm feeling that day emotionally Lindsay said clad in a black fendi cocktail dress i love chanel it's timeless fendi gucci balenciaga they're all very chic in her own ways she was also asked about her boyfriend jared leto and she said i focus on my career not boys mm, you focus on boys a little bit Lindsay, but don't we all so <laughs> she also said that she dyed her hair for these upcoming movie roles in Bobby, she's playing a real life person who had dark hair and then I guess she wanted to keep it for chapter 27 as well. A few weeks before the album comes out, there's a report that Lindsay and Jared Leto are absolutely crazy about each other and that they are engaged. And Lindsay is actually seen wearing a ring on her ring finger when she performs on TRL a few days after that. So it kind of seems like there's some truth to this and I told you guys in the last episode that I think that Jared and Lindsay were in a really serious relationship and Jared just made her keep it a secret because he didn't want to be a part of this tabloid narrative that she was such a part of. So I believe it. I, I don't know if it was like official engagement or maybe like a promise ring or some type of thing, but I do think that they were really serious at this point and she just wasn't allowed to talk about it. On TRL, she performed I Want You to Want Me, which is one of two covers that is featured on her album. Then the following week, on November 22nd, Lindsay performs at the American Music Awards, which is a pretty big deal that she was asked to perform on such a major award show. She performs her single, Confessions of a Broken Heart, but only part of the song. And then she segues into another cover that's on her album, Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. Now, I love Stevie Nicks, and Edge of Seventeen is one of my all-time favorite songs. But I really think that she should have just performed her song Confessions on the show. I think she should have performed it from beginning to end and gave it her all and just put out 
the fact that this is her song about her life and this is her truth. I don't think that she had to pull people in with a cover. And I also think it was a mistake to perform I Want You to Want Me on TRL. I mean, sure, maybe TRL calls for a less serious type of song, but she could have performed any number of songs from the record. I don't really like her cover of I Want You to Want Me. Her cover of Edge of Seventeen is a bit better just because it definitely suits her voice more. She has that kind of raspy tone that really lends itself to Edge of Seventeen. But overall, I just don't know why she went in this direction with covers, kind of similar to what Jessica Simpson did on her In the Skin album. Like, why would you release covers instead of your own songs, which are genuinely great? So on November 30th, A Little More Personal Raw is officially released. It was produced by Greg Wells, Cara Diaguardi, Butch Walker, and Ben Moody. It debuted at number 20 on the U.S. Billboard 200 with first week sales of 82,000. The album is certified gold in the United States by the RIAA for 500,000 copies in shipment. As of May 2008, A Little More Personal Raw has sold over 305,000 copies in the United States. So again, this album really came and went. It was not a huge hit. But I also think that Lindsay kind of just dropped the album. Like she didn't release any other singles. And that could have been due to Tommy Mottola. I mean, we all know how fast he kind of forgot about Jessica Simpson after Irresistible wasn't the massive hit that he wanted it to be. I mean, he wanted her to be the new Britney. And maybe he was having similar hopes for Lindsay. And when the album just didn't do well right out the gate, he kind of abandoned it. I don't know if that was his doing or Lindsay's or a combination of the both but there were some good songs on this album and I really wish that we could have seen Lindsay's music career go a little further. She told AOL Music, it is much more personal hence the title. I was actually able to do what I wanted with it and explore all my feelings and allow people to get in touch with my true emotional side. There are so many things that I want to try and music I'd like to learn from as well as incorporate into my music and this is just the beginning at this point in my journey of sending messages through my music. We barely have any heroes in this generation. We look to our musicians from a different time. John Lennon was a man who was able to influence people to believe in peace and recognize things that people are afraid to see for themselves. But with the position that actors, singers, and people like me are in, we not only have an obligation, but a chance to make a difference and have a huge impact on making a difference. She talked to Robin Roberts a little bit about this. And I think it's also, you said you want a message to show people that even someone as blessed and talented <laughs> as you goes through things it's like not, that. It's not even necessarily about me. That's, I, I think I also put it out there for, actually I was flying today and the flight attendant came up to me, this really sweet woman, and she came up to me and she got down on her knees and she said, you know, my daughter went through the same things with her father, and I lived it with her, and um, it really means a lot that you put the song out. Her daughter's 16 years old, um, and it was really kind of hit me. It was nice. That is nice. It's, it's for everyone. It's okay to go through things like that. Everyone does. I love that clip, how she's saying it's not really about her. It's about the effect that it could have on other people. I think she was really getting at something here, and it's upsetting that her life ended up taking a turn where she wasn't really able to focus on putting those messages out into the world anymore. VH1 reviewed the album and says, Lohan's first album was entitled Speak because she felt that's what she needed to do. Her latest goes for a much longer, somewhat confusing title, hinting that she's got even deeper issues to unfurl to her fans. Last time around, she lamented how tough it is to be a young starlet hounded by paparazzi. This time, she's revealing pain and anger. IGN reviewed the album, and starting with Confessions of a Broken Heart, they said... One is immediately struck by how Lohan has undergone a rather drastic sonic shift. Whereas the bulk of her last album was all studio gloss and imitation Euro pop blitz, here
Here she goes for the heartstring pulling power ballad that will fit in quite well on vintage AC oriented radio stations, that is if they still exist. Black Hole continues the power ballad motif, tossing in some crashing percussion to juice it up a bit. To her credit, Lohan sounds much more mature and confident throughout this outing, but it's still slick, calculated pop. And I think that was the perfect step for her to take in her music career. Like, elevate it a little bit, change, do something different, show us something new, but still stay on trend and within the current motif of music at the time. They continue to say, I Live for the Day is an uplifting anthem anthem that showcases Lohan's vocal range and ability to weave an intriguing melody throughout the otherwise overpowering, somewhat generic clash of background noise. Even though this track unfolds in a stark contrast to the way the album started, it provides the perfect lead-in to Lohan's cover of the Cheap Trick classic, I Want You to Want Me. While her take on the staple is pretty standard, the lyrics take on an entirely new meaning, almost playing out as a codependent revelation on how starlets need the public to love them. You know, that's actually an interesting point. I didn't even think of that. I always skip her cover of this. It's just not my favorite. Lohan returns to the down-tempo power ballad mode on My Innocence, and while the power ballad is a much maligned pop styling, it's one best suited for her vocal inclinations and one that allows her to shine without sounding cheesy or like a generically manufactured pop star. It's actually too bad that Lohan isn't about 15 or 20 years older, then she could get away with doing light jazz and lounge-styled atmosphere, which she would excel at without question. What a great point. Funny enough, here we are 15 to 20 years later. Maybe she should try that. Somebody needs to add her with this review. So this song, My Innocence, is also about her father. And the lyrics are, again, very straightforward. She sings, I was born a fighter. I was born on a rainy day. I've had my share of pain, but you missed most of that. So many other things you had to do. You looked after you. Do you remember what you did? Do you know just what you missed? And do you care about what I have to say? You took my innocence away. Pretty intense. The title track, a little more personal, is a pulsing, mock, missing person sounding electro laced club number. If you like this sort of thing, then it's pretty decent. The main thing marring it is that it's delivered without a trace of irony, which would have made it that much cooler. So, this song I actually really like because she's saying, Can we get a little more personal? And that's how I am in relationships, in friendships. I don't like wasting time. So, I'm the kind of person like, Let's get straight to the point. Let's get personal. Let's talk to each other about what's real in our lives I don't want to talk about the weather <laughs> you know what I mean like I like keeping it real so I actually really appreciate this song the tail end of the album pretty much rotates through the various styles Lohan and company have been dishing out power ballads like if it's all right and I'm stopping right in the middle of that sentence because they don't talk that much about if it's all right but if it's all right is my favorite track on this album it's one of those songs that is just so satisfying to sing when you're driving in the car because it's like Something about the song just flows together so perfectly. I think Lindsay sounds awesome on it. It is a powerful song. Her voice has so much behind it in this song. And I also really love the lyrics. Like it's just a good breakup song about that moment in a relationship where it's over but you just like really don't want to accept that it's over and you're just kind of like, uh, do we have to end it? Can't we just keep doing this for a little while. She sings, I should have known the day we met, the way you turned and waved at me, I never will forget. Two years later, who'd have guessed that we would make it this far just to put it all to rest? And if it's all right, I'll stay until it's late until you tell me that it's time that we moved on. And if it takes all night, I'll wait here till the daylight so that I can see that we just don't belong. It's all right. We were wrong. <sighs> 
that's such a good way to put it the way she sings it like it's all right we were wrong you know we tried and I think that a lot of people get to that point in a relationship where you both know that it's never gonna work out but you don't want to break up either <laughs> has anybody else ever been in that situation where you're just like god the odds of us staying together forever are like nothing but I don't want to say goodbye to you right now and then I think the next part of the lyrics is actually really telling to her own personality and situation in life she sings if you're crazy then I'm insane to people with the same condition it never goes away it's not our problem anymore but let's just call it even when I'm walking out that door and oh it won't be easy because it was hard from the start kind of feel like she goes for guys that aren't really the best for her you know but most women that have trauma in their childhood do that so and men it's not just a woman thing for sure very good song. And next they move on to the song Fast Lane, which has never really been my favorite. It They call it club style bubblegum angst and mock rock with a few left turns such as the quasi Prince meets Alanis influenced faux funk slink of If You Were Me. I don't think of Prince or Alanis with If You Were Me. That has never been my favorite song either. They continue, the real drawback here is that Lohan's voice is actually pretty decent. She is able to float and parry, drop from sultry whisper to heartfelt croon at the most opportune moments sadly much of the music from her band is somewhat generic and lackluster never really giving her anything to stand on other than slick predictable riffs and rhythms that's true like there's something missing from this album and I think they just articulated it perfectly as if attempting to appeal to the parents of her fans Lohan goes so far as to dip yet again into the classic rock old school and cover Stevie Nicks edge of 17 again as with her take on cheap trick the song's lyrics take on a different slant but she's also a bit out of her range tackling such a staple of rock radio not to mention trying to follow in Nick's formidable vocal footsteps let's just say that Lohan has balls and leave it at that she does have balls she's from Long Island <laughs> perhaps the best track on the entire album musically speaking is who loves you a bubbly slice of sultry electro gloss who loves you is probably my second favorite song on the album it just gets stuck in your head so so easily and they are right the production is a little bit above some of the other songs it sounds similar to a lot of other stuff that's out there though I would say that's the only drawback and it's a little cheesy but hey I can do with a little cheese sometimes so very soon after the album comes out she is photographed on the set of Bobby with Elijah Wood and then she just starts partying all the time and she does not stop for the next year I mean She's out at every event. It's insane. I could never, ever cover them all. She even goes out with Perez Hilton, who asks her all night to give some exclusive about her and Jared. And she just smiles coyly and says, Jared and I are just good friends. She was also named the best all-around beauty by Teen People's Beauty Issue. And she says, beauty is grace and confidence. I've learned to accept and appreciate what nature gave me. Her colorist, Sarah Gold, says, she's so amazingly confident and that's the key to any hair color. Most girls her age would be crushed if people said they didn't like her hair color, but Lindsay really has the confidence to pull it off no matter what anyone else thinks. <laughs> yeah, because most people hated the blonde and she still rocked it. She seemed perfectly happy in that era to be a blonde on December 12th Lindsay's parents divorce was finalized which I think took a huge weight off of her shoulders 
Dina and the children are delighted that this chapter in their lives is finally over. Dina's attorney, Robert S. Cohen, tells People Magazine. Michael Lohan also made a statement and says, I'm happy with the agreement and look forward to the opportunity to rebuild my relationship with my children. And it really is a beautiful thing that they were able to get this divorce finalized so quickly in less than a year, which for two showbiz parents with the kind of problems and issues that those two have, I mean, that actually was pretty impressive. Lindsay spends the rest of the year out with people like Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, Kate Moss, her sister Allie, and of course her boyfriend Jared Leto, and then flies to Miami for New Year's with her family. She parties at Mansion Nightclub with her family and Wilmer Valderrama. <laughs> So I don't know if this is when the relationship with Jared starts to get a little bit rocky, but I do believe that they were together through the whole filming of chapter 27, which actually didn't happen yet. So I don't know. But I mean, if I was dating Jared Leto, I wouldn't be partying with Wilmer. Ew. I mean, I know Jared's kind of ooh too, but like at the time, I mean, 2005 Jared Leto, girl, I would be, I would be locked in that bedroom 24 seven. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be moving. I wouldn't be able to move. So that's my opinion on that. So then Lindsay is hospitalized with an asthma attack. I think this is the first of like five hospitalizations of 2006. I mean, it's just constant accidents and medical issues. And I'm only reading this next part just to show you how obsessive the world was about Lindsay and how crazy the media was. It says, a friend of Lindsay Lohan returns to the hospital with some shopping, including a pregnancy test. The woman left the hospital in the early hours of Wednesday with Lindsay's limo driver. She returned to the emergency department at 1.30 a.m. with several overnight bags and food, including a pregnancy test, playing cards, mouthwash, Coke, and a box of Cocoa Puffs. The friend declined to comment on Lindsay's condition. Like, really? We need to know that she had mouthwash, Coke, and Cocoa Puffs delivered to her? And by the way, this is like the dumbest story because she's in the hospital. She doesn't need to take an at-home pregnancy test. She is at the hospital. <laughs> like, basically, anytime a woman is admitted into the hospital, they have to test her for being pregnant because that's like... You know what I mean? They test every woman for being pregnant because they can't do anything. Like if they know she's pregnant, there are certain things they can't do. Like, I mean, it's just these stories were just so ridiculous. And I cannot tell you how many of them I had to comb through in order to find like the real information for you guys. <laughs> so if anybody wants to support me and get on Patreon and, you know, give me five bucks, I would really appreciate that because girl, this takes, I mean, the time this takes, especially with Lindsay and all these ridiculous reports is just insane. So on January 6th, Lindsay's released from the hospital and flies to New York City with her family and she immediately goes and gets a tattoo in white ink and it's a tattoo on her wrist that says breathe and I remember when she did this because first of all it was just like kind of hilarious that she had an asthma attack and then she just immediately go gets a tattoo that says breathe. <laughs> and also I had never heard of getting tattooed in white ink before and I remember you know, young preteen me thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, I want to get a white ink tattoo. I never did, but you know. And of course, Lindsay's publicist says that even though Lindsay was hosting a party at Prevane nightclub when the asthma attack occurred, it was not related to drugs and alcohol whatsoever. And that it was just the Florida humidity uh, that contributed to her condition. And she's had asthma since childhood, which is of course true. She also suffered an asthma attack on the set of The Parent Trap. So she's been dealing with this a lot. It didn't, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be drug or alcohol related for her to have an asthma attack. But I just think the overall distress on her body, right, from the constant work, the eating disorder, drugs, alcohol, stress in general, her parents, like everything, of course, she's going to end up in the hospital. You know what I mean? Even though she already had been in the hospital for exhaustion, it, it does make sense. So the other thing that happened when Lindsay was in the hospital is that the February issue of Vanity Fair came out and they wrote an article on Lindsay, a full feature called Confessions of a Teenage Movie Queen. And this was a major, 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 major story. I remember it was so huge because she admitted to having her eating disorder. I read that part in the previous episode. She admitted to using drugs, quote, a little. And it was huge for her to admit that. Back in 2005, 2006, people did not talk about things like this. Like, even though everybody knew that Lindsay and Paris and Nicole and Misha and Rachel Zoe and Brittany and, like, all these it girls had issues with these types of things. Like, of course, everybody knew that, but nobody said it out loud. You had to be perfect little... America's sweetheart and not say anything and I think the fact that she even was as bold to say what she said proved that she was a little bit different and maybe more of a bad girl than some of the other women that I talked about because she's just putting it all out there and she's not afraid to admit that she isn't perfect. A lot of people that are my age are sheltered, especially in the industry, and publicist managers and executives want them to have this okay image. I don't have that, she says. All my decisions are things that I make. Like putting out a hit single, Confessions of a Broken Heart, not about boys, but about a difficult, absent, convict father. I'm not gonna read this whole article because it's long, but you can check it out. It is in full on Vanity Fair's website. And of course they were talking about everything she had been through recently and she says going through shit like that makes me that much stronger. Sitting up in her chair a bundle of intense excitement and doing great things makes me want to do even better things. I want to do things that make me feel good and work with charities and see the positive side of things. When the position that I've kind of come into, I'm in a place where I can really make an impact on people and really help girls that are, you know, people with anorexia, people that aren't in good relationships with their lovers, people that don't get along with her parents. I can change that a little bit. At some point soon, she wants to write a film about a girl growing up in Hollywood and about how crazy a person can go, but at the same time, how much they can change. So that is kind of fascinating, right? I wonder if she will ever write that script or a similar similar script because who has more insider information on what that's like than Lindsay Lohan? Come on. <laughs> the news is that Lindsay is no train wreck. In fact, she may be the most compelling and charismatic and real of all the actresses on the very young A-list. Perhaps that's why on the heels of her new rom-com, Just My Luck, for which she was paid a reported $7.5 she will co-star in Robert Altman's next film, A Prairie Home Companion, opposite Meryl Streep. She has a quality that is very unusual in actors, says Streep, and that is that she is very present and alive, almost preternaturally alive on camera. What a great thing to say about Lindsay. Preternaturally means outside of the norm, you know? It's like another way of saying like supernatural, and it's true. Every actor is trying to portray and represent certain emotions and situations and so many actors cannot do it as well as Lindsay. And I think that's why people like Meryl Streep are making these comments about her because she is so naturally talented. And she still had them, you know? Like she still had all of the Hollywood bigwigs behind her at this point. Vanity Fair continues by saying... 
Lindsay is genuinely fun to be with, affectionate, unguarded, mischievous, and a little loopy. Having lived at the Chateau Marmont for months, she is now the staff's very own Eloise, careening in and out of the kitchen, taking five pieces of chocolate cake to warm up in her sweets microwave, grandly reserving several orders of curry chicken each Thursday because you never know who's going to drop by, and having amazing conversations with total randoms, like that cool older Australian woman eating here the other night who was like really sexy and 40 and had a kid and everything. I think it's hilarious that that's how they categorize her living at the chateau. <laughs> like it wasn't a constant drug-fueled party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, she's just flitting around with her little chocolate cake and she's the Eloise of the place. It's like, no, she's she's on a bender. Like we all know, like this isn't, you know what I mean? Come on, Vanity Fair. They continue and say the chateau is full of advantages. If Lohan wants her amazing lip venom, she explains she can just call up her assistant and have her toss it down the stairs. You can throw things down the staircases here, says Lindsay, who has put on a few pounds and now looks normal thin while wearing a white t-shirt and dark jeans tucked into high boots. It's like a house. It's so weird. I'm like, this is my den. Like three people were lying on the second floor and walking up to my staircase. She catches herself and lets out a goofy laugh. My staircase. What does that mean? This is my den. Three people were lying on the second floor and walking up to my staircase. What? Like, I just love that they try to portray it like it's this, like, I'm just like little Eloise in my innocent little chateau. It's like, mm, that's not what the chateau is. <laughs> But behind the playfulness, there's a serious and emotional young woman. Though she has fallen many times in her life, she clearly has great reserves of strength. Amen. She has personally survived so much that at this point, she can't help but start to let it out about her damaged relationship with her father, her loneliness and rootlessness, and the demons inside her that almost made her self-destruct. As they say, she is going there. And even while her publicist and mother work overtime to play the dark stuff down. She did what many young women would do when faced with the strange combination of loneliness, public embarrassment, being worshipped, and suddenly having loads of money. She dabbled in Kabbalah. She began going out with a fellow star, Wilmer Valderrama. She started shopping like a Trump wife. She confesses that she dropped $100,000 in a single day. With Paris Nicole or an Olsen twin in tow, she started hitting the clubs, the sort that lavish free drinks on celebrities. She became a staple of the tabloids, which was how some family members were now getting their information about her. I remember my sister called me up and said, I heard you got Pamela Anderson boobs. And she now admits she began using drugs a little, but quickly says, I've gotten that out of my system. <laughs> if only that were true. When asked later if those drugs included cocaine, she gets flustered, denies it, and says, I don't want people to think that I've done... You know what I mean? It's kind of a sore subject. I've lost a family member over it, practically. The day after the admission, her publicist goes into a tailspin, attempts to erase the drugs from the record, and then wonders aloud how she will spin it. She ends the article by saying she's sick to death of people's melodramatic concern. Don't ever say this to me, she says, going into mushy group therapy speak. Are you okay? She leans over, looks you straight in the eye, and delivers her classic Lindsay response. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm fine. <laughs> so, of course, right after this article comes out, Lindsay and her publicist dispute it and say that it's not true. The words that I gave to the writer for Vanity Fair were misused and misconstrued, and I'm appalled with the way it was done. The shocking article, in which Lohan also allegedly admitted to experimenting with drugs, states, I was making myself sick referring to bulimic episodes. Lohan later goes on to say, I knew I had a problem and I couldn't admit it. Aside from the writer's lies and changing of my words, Lohan says in a statement, I am blessed to have this job and the wonderful family that I do. 
Lindsay's publicist tells teen people Lohan does not have bulimia now, nor did she ever. Yet, she brings five pieces of chocolate cake up to her hotel room. I'm not trying to make light of it. It's not funny. And my heart goes out to any of you out there who have suffered from bulimia or anorexia or any eating disorder. It's very serious. I've had issues with, with eating myself. So I'm not trying to make a joke about it. I'm just saying... I don't think people really believed when they tried to walk this back. Vanity Fair responded and said, Evgenia Peretz is one of our most reliable reporters. Every word Lindsay told her is on tape. Vanity Fair stands by its story. So I guess you can draw your own conclusion. But I personally just think that Lindsay doesn't like hiding things. I think she's an open book and I think she sat down with Vanity Fair and she wanted it to be a memorable interview and she wanted to make a splash and she sure did. And then her mom and her publicist and all the other people around her found out and they were like, holy shit. <laughs> no, never mind. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. Lindsay's fine. Lindsay doesn't do drugs. Lindsay doesn't throw up. Lindsay's fine. Everything's fine. So Lindsay spends the rest of January and early February filming her small part of Chapter 27 in New York City with Jared Leto. Now during this time, now during this time, like I said, I think that she was still in a relationship with Jared. Perhaps they were on and off, but there were a ton of dating rumors about Lindsay this whole year. But especially during this time, I think that she was trying to make Jared jealous because she did admit on Jay Leno a few months earlier that she could be manipulative toward men and she said that sometimes she would go out on a date with a guy and then she would go out with another guy later in the night for like a second date and she would tell the first guy to call her at a certain time so that he would call when she was out with the second guy and the second guy would see you know her talking to the first guy and that would make him jealous of course and that is very manipulative. I cannot believe she admitted that on The Tonight Show, but she did. So there's all kinds of rumors going around that she was dating Sean Lennon, who is John Lennon's son. Now, he didn't have anything to do with Chapter 27. He didn't like give his name to that film or sign off on it or anything. So some people were like, oh, they probably were just hanging out because Lindsay's trying to do research. But Sean kind of stayed away from that whole thing. So I don't know if he would agree to that. Maybe he just thought she was pretty or cool or interesting and was like, eh, I'll have dinner with the girl, but who knows. She's also rumored to date Joaquin Phoenix because they both were living at the Chateau Marmont at the time. And a few years later, I'm sure you've heard of Lindsay Lohan's sex list. We're going to get into that at the time that it comes up, but Joaquin is on her sex list and I don't blame her. I find him so hot. Always have, always will. She's also seen out with Wilmer. She also partied with Leo DiCaprio and there were more dating rumors regarding the director Brett Ratner, the Greek shipping heir who also dated Paris Hilton and Mary-Kate Olsen, Stavros Niarchos, continuing rumors about Jared constantly, Hayden Christensen, Keanu Reeves, Callum Best, and Evan Ross. <laughs> She's also seen multiple times with Samantha Ronson in 2005 and 2006, but apparently they don't start officially dating until 2008. Her main boyfriend this year, who was actually a full-on relationship after her breakup with Jared, is with the restaurateur Harry Morton, who unfortunately passed away at the age of 38 in 2019. And I assume he meant a lot to Lindsay because even though she only dated him for a few months in 2006, she did post a little tribute to him after he passed away. Now, Harry Morton is like, you know, Morton's Steakhouse. 
that's his dad who created that steakhouse and also the Hard Rock Cafe. I love myself a good Hard Rock Cafe. I go to the Hard Rock at every city because I love <laughs> music and rock and roll and stuff. And I love seeing all the artifacts. In fact, I was just at the one in Las Vegas and they have Britney's outfits from her Dream Within a Dream tour. You know that one, sh that jacket she wears during Stronger with all the neon paint in it? Yes, I saw that in person. I screamed. It was so exciting. I love the Hard Rock Cafe. And so Harry Morton was like second generation restaurateur and he created this place Pink Taco which was just one of those like trendy places that everybody went in LA around this time like you would always hear that so-and-so was at Pink Taco. Apparently they dated from July through September but after that Lindsay was seen out with him a couple other times. She also was seen wearing a hat that said Team Harry so people speculated that she was trying to get him back but that was her other major relationship this year. But during this time earlier in the year she's also rumored to be dating Sean White, Benicio Del Toro, and Ryan Adams all while she's on and off with Jared. Get it girl. I mean... Brian Adams is trash, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google. But if I was 19, rich, famous, successful, gorgeous, talented, of course I would be dating an Olympic medalist and an Oscar winner and an Oscar nominee and, you know, Diana Ross's son and Leo DiCaprio. Like, I actually think Leo DiCaprio is one of the blacked out names on her sex list. That's my opinion. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Of course you would be doing that. Of course you would be dating the hottest restaurateur and then this other hot guy and this other talented actor like who wouldn't take advantage of that I'm sorry I don't care who you are you know like <laughs> who wouldn't want to have their pick of anybody in the entire entertainment industry like she was blowing through it and look some of these probably aren't true but whatever so Sean White actually said to the press he was like oh yeah her and I ended up meeting up at Bungalow 8 <laughs> <laughs> which was a major club at the time in, in New York City. It was like impossible to get into. And he goes, it was a good time. It was a trip. Coming home from Italy, everybody's been running up to me saying how proud they are. It's crazy. And so I got the time to have some fun. Of course, Lindsay's publicist was like, ah, eh, she's not dating any of these men. So forget about it. Dina was asked about Lindsay's various issues and the Vanity Fair article. And she said, Lindsay's fine. <laughs> of course she said that. She's a 19-year-old girl. The writer twisted some of her words. Lindsay had said I wasn't eating right. And this interviewer, everyone has to be labeled, so they tried to label her. Well, it's not about labels. It's about being honest. And Lindsay is very honest and open. If Lindsay had a problem, she wouldn't be coming out with four movies in a year. So in February, apparently Lindsay's diary was stolen and there was a lot of not-so-interesting things in it. It was returned to her, but with some of the pages ripped out. And those pages have never surfaced, but somebody who read them apparently said that the only juicy detail was that Jared Leto's penis was so big that Lindsay was having a problem you know dealing with that <laughs> apparently it was difficult so also Jared Leto gained like 50 or 60 70 pounds for chapter 27 so that's a lot of girth coming at you you know nothing wrong with that 
nothing wrong with that. So Lindsay doesn't let this get her down. She walks in a fashion show that they have every year around Fashion Week, the Heart Truth Red Dress Fashion Show for Women's Heart Disease, where a bunch of celebrities walk on the runway in red dresses. Lindsay looked gorgeous. And then at the after party, she had a famous nip slip. Now, this is the one where she's wearing that black dress and her boob is just out. Like, it's just it's just there right in front of the cameras. I mean, no one even tells her it's horrible. A few days later, Lindsay flies to Berlin to start promoting a Prairie Home Companion with Meryl Streep. And she flies back to New York City two days later. Then a few days after that, she flies to Hollywood to spend a few days there. And she also walked in another fashion show, the General Motors Celebrity Fashion Show, where she is asked which women she admires and looks up to the most. And she says Angelina Jolie, Sandra Bullock, her Prairie Home Companion co-stars Virginia Madsen and Meryl Streep, Hillary Clinton, Jodie Foster, and her mother, Dina. In March, she's on the cover of Allure and Premiere Magazine. And the Premiere Magazine photo shoot is actually so so cool she posed as elizabeth taylor in the movie butterfield eight she posed as diane keaton in the movie annie hall and also as liza minnelli in cabaret which is a centerfold so if you're a big Lindsay fan grab that because there are some copies on ebay awesome awesome pictures of her in allure she talked about how she wanted to move on to more mature roles and that we were going to start seeing that from her soon she says i hate when people call me a teen queen they also asked her about her weight and her relationships and she said sometimes being that thin doesn't look healthy i kind of didn't realize that i lost weight when i was in the hospital and then i wanted to keep it off it was an attention thing too but you start to wonder if your friends are your friends because you look a certain way i found that quote interesting like i feel like that's a nod to nicole richie right who else would she be talking about you know what i mean Rachel Zoe, they're always real, real, real thin. It's almost like they they have this club of skinny people and nobody else is welcome in it. I mean, come on. Have you ever seen one of them with Queen Latifah? No. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like that's what they do, you know? Regarding her breakup with Wilmer, Lohan says, I know now that I don't need a boyfriend. The past year felt like five lifetimes because I've grown up a lot. I know better what to do and what not to do. I lost sight of the people and things that are not important to me. So in April of 2006, she's on the cover of Seven magazine and she did the photo shoot which is gorgeous but she canceled the interview because she was hospitalized for that asthma attack so Dina did the interview for her instead which I think is so funny it's like she's like mom can you just go do it you know 17 starts by saying she is one of the top talents of her generation able to hold her own with screen legends like Meryl Streep but lately it seems as though everywhere you turn Lindsay is making headlines for being part of Hollywood's fast crowd thanks to her high profile hookups riotous partying and alleged bad behavior this work hard play hard lifestyle has made Lindsay a magnet for drama in the past year and a half she has lost an alarming amount of weight and has been hospitalized twice plus she had to deal with her parents contentious separation and see her father get sent to jail then in January Vanity Fair reported that Lindsay had experimented with drugs and struggled with bulimia all of this begs the question can Lindsay Lohan handle the pressure of being Hollywood's it girl and is her mom and manager really able to help her through it since Lindsay wasn't available to speak with us for this story her mother decided to set the record straight on her behalf and Dina just says more of the same that we've already talked about but the most interesting quote from this article for me is when Dina says I want Lindsay to fail kids need to have failure to have success 
Very true. Like every time you think Dina's lost it, she comes out with something kind of meaningful. So April was another busy month for Lindsay, of course. She starts it out by winning the Kids' Choice Award for Choice Movie Actress for Herbie Fully Loaded. And there's also a wax figure of Lindsay that debuts at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, displayed right next to the one and only Paris Hilton. And then on April 15th, Lindsay hosts Saturday Night Live, her third year in a row. Now, has anyone else hosted three times before they even turned 20? I don't think so, right? That's like impossible. I mean, she really was just slaying for so long. She has the honor of opening the show in the political sketch. And if you're not that familiar with SNL, they normally don't let new hosts be in the opening sketch. You have to host a couple of times to be able to do that. And she even gets to say the famous line, live from New York, it's Saturday night. The most famous skit from this episode is probably the coin slot commercial. And I think this was Kristen Wiig's first year on SNL. And so it's Lindsay and Kristen Wiig talking about this cream for your coin slot, which is your butt crack. (laughs) And just look it up. It's really funny. I think it went kind of viral at the time. But my favorite sketch from this episode is this really like weird, awkward one where Lindsay, Kristen Wiig, and Will Forte play these really like awkward strange midwestern straight lace type of co-workers in the 80s who decide to go to a bar together and it's like they're like you know letting loose and partying but they're really quiet and awkward about it and I just think it's a very subtle like hilarious performance from Lindsay and of course Kristen Wiig and Will Forte are amazing in it as well. It very much has Napoleon Dynamite type of vibes. So this was all part of the promotion of Just My Luck, which came out on May 12th. And Lindsay went on the Today Show to promote it. And Matt Lauer interviewed her. And of course, he had to bring up all of the rumors and stuff. And Lindsay was just very, very dismissive of anything negative. I don't want to, I'm not complaining. Nobody's asking you to whine because you got it pretty good. Yeah, I don't want People to, I don't want people to misconstrue the way I say it, but um, it's not that it's hard to be me, but it is, I work harder than most of my friends' parents, I think. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm the hardest working, uh, working person I know, and I can say that um, fully, and I've, I've noticed that lately, because I've just been doing a lot of press, and you know, it's, I mean, I love to do it. I don't really know what to do when I'm not working. I'm a workaholic. I get very creatively frustrated. But it is hard. So then you, do you put that pressure on yourself or do you think other people, or does Hollywood put that pressure on you? I think it's a little bit of both, but um, more so me because, you know, I'm in control of myself and my career and ultimately it's me at the end of the day that has to sit home and kind of think about all the things that I have to do the next day or went through that day. So more, I think it's just learning how to say yes more than, I mean, no more than yes. So, so okay. let me just ask the blunt question. No problems in your life right now in terms of substance abuse or anything? You're fine? Substance abuse. That, I don't believe that was ever brought up. Well, just talked about some experimentation of drugs and things like that. It's okay? Yeah, everything's fine. You're okay? Good. Vanity Fair was, you know, the, the great thing that came out of that with the whole eating disorder issue was it gave younger girls, I think, any younger girl that may have picked it up, they can then go to their parents and talk to them about it and know that it's better to be verbal and talk to people about if you have any sort of problem, whatever it may be, um, and that it's not worth it. Just My Luck was released on May 12th, 2006. I play Ashley Albright. Um, she's a publicist, ironically, because I see them frequently in my life. And kind of the luckiest girl in the world. I have no luck in the world. She's got all the luck. She's got everything going for her. We meet, happenstance, stars 
like that, fake collides, we kiss. Luck switch, she gets my bad luck, I get all her good luck. So does that mean that he took my luck from me? Maybe he needed it more than you. So he stole it? That little whack kissing bandit. It's an older character for me, it's something new. Um, she's 23 and it's kind of nice to step out of just being in the high school you know, age group. I love the fact that I got to dress a bit more sophisticated and kind of tap into the fashion side of it all because I love fashion. You love fashion. Um, and it's fun for girls to see, it's like sex in the city. We wanted to really differentiate how my character Ashley Albright, what happens to her from when she's the luckiest girl in the world and then how she is when she loses all her luck. Just the fact that she's wearing white New York City and it doesn't get a drop on her. This movie is not my favorite. I remember being really disappointed when I saw it. It's Lindsay's first romantic comedy. It's her first movie out of the kind of younger world of high school movies and Disney movies. It just falls flat to me. It's not particularly funny. I think that the plot is okay, but it kind of missed the opportunity to say something a little bit more meaningful about luck and fate and life and love and happenstance I just feel like we're used to seeing Lindsay with these really great scripts and this just completely was not that it made 38 million dollars on a 28 million dollar budget so it really was not a huge hit right now on Rotten Tomatoes the tomato meter score is only 14 percent the audience score is 48%, so that's a little better at least. Uh, and even though the movie was not getting amazing reviews, the entire cast and crew was praising Lindsay and saying, oh, don't focus on the negative stuff, don't focus on the partying. Chris Pine said that he felt like he won the lottery getting to work with Lindsay, which of course he did. I mean, this is the first thing I ever saw Chris Pine in. And Samara Armstrong from The O.C., who co-stars with Lindsay in this movie, says that her reputation of being a diva on movie sets is undeserved. She said, one thing that's amazing about her is she's surrounded by so many people, but was still very aware of our feelings. She's just a normal person is what I'm getting at. She taught me that making a film, you're just as important as the camera is. You need to make sure you're balanced and ready for the film. I know she gets a bad rap for holding up production, but I understand it. So I guess Samara is trying to say that she holds up production because she's getting balanced and ready to be on camera rather than she shows up late because she was partying the night before. So you know what, Samara, good for you for being a girl's girl and trying to <laughs> cover for Lindsay there. IGN gave the film 2.5 out of 5 stars and said, While there are some genuinely witty sequences in Just My Luck, the film ultimately suffers from the same problem that bedevils so many other entries in the rom-com genre. It just isn't that funny. It's the same safe, harmless fluff piece we've seen countless times. A programmer that produces more half smiles or dry chuckles than it does big laughs or infectious humor. It's it's formula filmmaking, but there must be something about this formula that's working since Hollywood keeps churning out these by-the-numbers flicks. The biggest winner here is Lohan, who successfully graduates from tween fair to carrying a film geared more for 30-somethings and couples. Despite her penchant for ending up as tabloid fodder, there is something charming and watchable about Lohan on screen, a brightness and savvy that bodes well for her career if she could manage not to derail it. And I agree, like, th there's not much to this movie, but Lindsay's good with 
what she has you know she's always good she she has that it factor she's a star it doesn't really matter she's always gonna shine entertainment weekly says it's tough to be a star in the age of ultra gossip lindsay lohan's junior diva party girl rep has recently eclipsed her appeal as an actress but before we get too judgmental about her boogie nights at bungalow eight let's take one look at her in the new comedy just my luck that mischievous pixie sparkle that flame red quaff that sets off her madonna face just so that smile with its hint of an Audrey Hepburn overbite. There's plenty of beauty in Hollywood, but Lindsay's sexiness is infused with soul. So far, though, she's grown up faster than her movies. Then they describe the plot, and it says the two characters exchange fates, and the movie flip-flops and becomes a different cartoon, this one just as vacuously mechanical. It takes skill and a certain humanity to rescue a premise this gimmicky. Just my luck lacks both, yet even in her dullest vehicle, Lindsay exudes an unfakeable shine. So true. The New York Times did an interview with Lindsay and they said, what if you took someone with Britney Spears unfailingly wrong instincts about her image, tossed in a dollop of Meryl Streep's talent and gave her flowing red hair that morphed on a moment's notice to deepest black or fairest blonde. You'd end up with a pretty good facsimile of Lindsay Lohan whose tabloid ready partying and shining on screen talent seemed to be headed for a collision, a crash bigger than the one last year that damaged the Mercedes she was driving. At 19, she's at a turning point in her career, and they talk about her new adult roles. Lindsay crystallizes a question now haunting so many movie stars. How much does the off-screen image bleed into and possibly hurt the reception of the work? There are two conspicuously different models in front of her. The industry is buzzing about how the Tom Cruise wacko factor may have damaged Mission Impossible 3. Isn't that funny that now we're all these years later and Tom Cruise is not only the star but the producer of Top Gun Maverick, a film that is a sequel of a movie he made 40 years ago? Like, isn't that insane? Like, white men do not get blamed for anything like Tom Cruise has been churning out the crazy since 2005 and really before but it just started to really show in 2005 and he is still doing these absolutely huge movies that are slaying at the box office so probably not a good example but this person writing this never could have known back then that <laughs> He would just continue to churn out hit after hit. Meanwhile, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, the Teflon Brangelina, are engaged in a disarmingly successful public relations strategy of take us seriously and by the way, save Africa. Ms. Lohan may want to reconsider the way she has veered toward the dangerous out of control side. So true how Brangelina kind of took back their image from being these scandalous cheaters to these UN ambassadors and all that kind of stuff and now look at them they're gonna fight it out in court like it's just so crazy how all of these things unfold just my luck is being promoted as her first grown-up film but it's nothing like that I agree it's so funny how she kept saying that like she's so grown up in this movie because the movie like is so lame you know what I mean it's not like mature or sophisticated in any way although she plays a young woman with a job making her character an adult doesn't mean the film is for adults in this romantic fairy tale that echoes 13 going on 30, oh god, it's nowhere near as good as 13 going on 30. I would never compare it to that. It's like not even in the same universe. Her character kisses a guy who has bad luck and exchanges her charmed life for his cursed one. She loses her job and her hairdryer explodes. These events are given equal weight, but the pop group that the bad luck guy manages gets a recording contract. The bubblegum boy band is a hint that the audience for Just My Luck is 12-year-old girls. Yeah, except her movie that was actually for 12 12 year old girls meaning confessions of a teenage drama queen was 
10 times better than this. So speaking of McFly, who is the boy band that they're referring to, they are in the movie Just My Luck playing themselves. And they also released a song shortly after this called Please Please, and it's about Lindsay. I think that they just did this for publicity, but of course there was rumors that she was dating the drummer Harry or maybe somebody else in the band. Just like every other guy that she meets, there's a rumor that she's dating him. And the lyrics are, please, please, Lindsay, please. <laughs> Set the scene, I think I'm in love now. Your eyes are green, you've come from above now. Lindsay's eyes are blue, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> easy girl, I think we're alone now. Let's get the motion in the ocean, so turn off your phone now. I want to put my hands on your skin, underneath the clothes that you're in, so kick off your shoes, let the fun begin. Please, please, Lindsay, please. See, that doesn't really seem like a guy who actually got to sleep with Lindsay. It seems like a guy who really wants to sleep with Lindsay. <laughs> in May, Lindsay did another celebrity fashion show. This time it was the Race to Erase MS. She looked absolutely gorgeous, appearing on the runway with Nicole Richie and Tommy Hilfiger. And I have to say, Lindsay and Nicole looked a lot healthier than they had the year before. I mean, still very skinny, but there was just something very scary about some of the pictures of them from the year before. And this doesn't look that way at all. They look very glamorous and beautiful. And then of course we get to the fire crotch incident. Now <laughs> I hate that I even have to cover this but I feel like you guys will come after me if I don't. On May 17th Paris Hilton and fellow trust fund baby Brandon Davis are coming out of Club Hyde as one did in 2006 and they're very drunk or at least Brandon definitely is and the paparazzi are filming them and Paris is pretending to be on the phone, which is something that she often would do to avoid talking to the paparazzi. And Brandon is talking to the photogs and saying, Lindsay Lohan is a fire crotch. She's disgusting. And they, he says all these other things about her that I'm not going to repeat. And apparently he did this because Paris is his BFF and... Lindsay had been hooking up with Stavros Niarcos, who was Paris's fiance. I don't know if he was implying that like they cheated or Paris was just pissed that Lindsay hooked up with her ex after she did, but Paris didn't really say anything. And this is why I'm not going to cover the Paris and Lindsay feud the same way that I did the Lindsay and Hillary feud, which I did a whole episode on that one. And the reason is because I just don't find Paris Hilton interesting. I know you guys are probably going to cancel me for that, but like I just, I respect her as an early 2000s icon and I loved her back in the day. Like I used to try to copy her outfit. I thought she was like queen and everything. I just don't find her interesting. I liked her documentary. I will say that, but she's not somebody that I want to talk about in depth. I could never do a series on her. Like I don't want to do research on her. Like I just don't, I don't hate her at all. I just like don't care. So I'm going to do the cliff notes of this because it does lead up to Bimbo Summit, which is a very important moment in all of our lives. But basically, Paris's statement after this happened, which her publicist Elliot Mintz came out with, was the only thing I want to underscore is the person making the statements was not Paris Hilton. And that's why she's not interesting, right? It's like she wasn't interesting on The Simple Life either. Nicole was the one that made us watch, you know? Paris would just be standing there and she would be like, yeah, after Nicole said something amazing. And that's fine. That's her place. Like, I kind of love that Paris knows her place and she, like, knows she's not funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind. Like, I like Paris. She's fine. I just don't, I'm not interested in going in depth into her story. He continues, It is unfair to characterize Brandon's statements as being reflective of Paris's feelings about Lindsay. We're dealing with two different people. It was Brandon who was speaking. Of course there are moments when Paris was laughing, but she never said anything. Brandon was speaking for herself, not for her. Personally, he adds, I found the incident unnecessary. 
Paris uses her cell phone as a defensive tool. He says, Many times when you see her photographed in a crowd situation, she puts it up to her ears so she doesn't have to speak. In the cacophony and din of screaming, nobody could have had a telephone conversation. Reporters were asking her questions about Lindsay that she did not want to answer, so she put her cell phone up to her ear. Brandon was not speaking for Paris. Period. Lindsay didn't say anything about this at the time, but a few months later, she did an interview with Elle magazine, and she said... I still have not seen that video. I will never see it. I got this call from a friend saying, did you see this video that Brandon and Paris did outside of Hyde? I go, no, I didn't see it. And then I started getting prank calls from them on my voicemail. They'd be screaming and saying the stuff that was said in the video. I don't want to fight with anyone, but obviously she's very comfortable making videos. Oh, shit. (laughs) I just feel like people need to think more before they act. Even me sometimes. And Elle says, can you give an example? Lindsay replies, I went to Butter last night, which was another, that was a big hotspot in New York. And Paris was there. I could have avoided going, but I didn't know she'd be there. When I got there, I saw my friend Richie Akiva, who runs the place. I love him to death. They said I was dating him once, and then they said Mary-Kate dated him. It's so incestuous. Anyway, Richie said Paris is downstairs, and I went, I don't care, whatever, big deal. I could have just not gone in, but I saw her, and she went off on this Stavros thing, grabbing my arm and saying, I can't believe you effing called Stavros. But you know what? I don't want to come across as talking shit about people. That's one thing I learned from Meryl. Take the higher road. And that's the great thing about Lindsay is she can throw something like that out there because she is Hollywood like royalty. She can say, oh, well, I learned a lesson from Meryl Streep, you know, because Paris isn't learning any lessons from Meryl Streep. You know, Paris is learning lessons from like Kyle Richards. So it's not the same. And I have no problem with Kyle Richards. I actually thought she was really good in the new Halloween movie. Halloween Kills. A lot of people didn't like that one. And I was like, I loved it. I genuinely enjoyed that movie a lot. And I loved her scenes in it. I thought she was good in it. But it's just not the same as hanging out with Meryl Streep and getting advice from her. You know, like it just makes me sad because Lindsay still had one foot in the respected Hollywood actress pool. Like, yeah, she had the other foot in the famous for being famous tabloid Paris Hilton pool. But like she still had that Hollywood cred. Like I would have been just literally ignoring them you know I would have been like I have better things to do I I'm I'm premiering at the Venice Film Festival this week so I don't have time to respond to two drunk idiots outside of a club calling me a fire crotch and laughing at me like really It, it just made them look so bad you know what I mean like Jesus it's just so stupid that's why when people are so obsessed with these type of moments in pop culture. I'm just like, I don't know. Like as someone who was bullied in school a lot, I just like I remember being on the other side of this. Like I remember being the fire crotch person that somebody was making fun of and laughing at. And I'm just like this like Hollywood is just an engorged version of high school. And I don't know. Like I I hate the I haven't watched this fire crotch video in so many years, but I remember just like hating it because it just reminds me of those like dumb rich popular kids that just have no respect for anybody and and just go off on whoever they want whenever they want and they're spoiled rich idiots like that's what they are period you know like (laughs) Lindsay was in another league she really was like she didn't even have to respond to that shit but anyway this does lead up to bimbo summit which I am gonna have to address in the next episode 
among a million other things that happened. Like, seriously, this was such a crazy year. I was so delusional. Like, I lied to you guys, fully lied. Didn't realize I was lying, but I did lie to you guys when I said that I was doing all of 2006 plus the end of 2005 in this episode. How did I think that I was going to be able to cover all that ground in one episode? In Lindsay Lohan's life, I'm... (laughs) I must have been smoking something, you guys. Like, I, I honestly don't know what I was thinking. You deserve a full breakdown of these events, especially because things are going to get kind of sad and depressing in these later Lindsay episodes, you know, because we're going to get into the territory soon where she's in and out of court and stuff like that. And I don't know how I'm going to handle those episodes yet, obviously with as much kindness as I can. But... While she's still releasing movies and enjoying being a legit Hollywood star, I want to really continue to sink my teeth in and celebrate all of that because pretty soon it's going to be just like arrests and (laughs) things like that. But that is going to do it for today. Next Lindsay episode, we're going to start with a Prairie Home Companion and all of that press and promotion that she was doing and then it just never stops from there I mean filming Georgia Rule showing up drunk not showing up at all showing up late getting that letter from the CEO and like I said that was really the turning point that was a major major turning point because a lot of Hollywood celebrities get wasted and show up late and things like that but we don't usually see a public letter like that these things in Hollywood have been covered up since the dawn of time (laughs) since the dawn of Hollywood like most of the time it just covered up everyone acts like nothing happened the star maybe gets a private talking to or something and then that's it so for this to be public it was huge and we're gonna dissect the whole thing in the next Lindsay episode thank you so much for listening special thank you to all my patreon subscribers I love you guys so much and I will talk to you guys next week bye everybody Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capria Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear ashleyandjessicast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.